I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are diving right back into the everything in between by <laughs> taking a look at 1993's Future Cops, directed by Wong Jing. Yeah, it's also kind of like everything but the kitchen sink. Kinda, yeah. I, oh boy. Actually, it is everything and the kitchen oh, sink, because yeah. there's actually, a the prominent kitchen sink. Kitchen sink. Yeah. There's a prominent kitchen sink scene in this <sighs> movie. So I will take the blame, dude. Uh, dude, <laughs> for before this you movie. before you repent too much, I love this movie. Like, really? No, no okay. joke. I had okay. like such a good time. I mean, I yeah, I don't think it, like I I won't campaign for it to be in the Criterion Collection or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it could be too that it just looks like I I do like I've seen a lot of movies from like this period and like of this kind of style and era and i actually think compared to a lot of movies from this time period and even other wong jing movies of this time period it's actually pretty focused which mm. um <laughs> wow which i hate to see those other movies yeah maybe you shouldn't check those other movies out but yes yeah, it depends on what it's and focused wild on wild and crazy um that's, that's the marty the marty guarantee right there it's better um, than other movies <laughs> Yeah, which so, is almost always true. Just kind of. <laughs> I do agree with you uh, to a point. <laughs> um, sure. You know, so early on, and I mentioned this movie a bunch of times, but Kung Fu Cult Master was a movie that I super liked. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of similarities, and there it shares a cast member, and it's right around this era, and we get mm-hmm. to see Wong Jing at his wackiest. Yeah, it is basically my takeaway from watching this movie is the last episode we watched an animated film that took itself pretty seriously. And (laughs) in this episode, we're watching a live action film that treats itself like a cartoon. Dude, I yeah. feel yeah, exactly. This exactly live action movie feels almost more like a cartoon than the cartoon he watched last week. Dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Both yeah, like uh, visually and the way that characters act and just all the kind of behavior and the speed and pacing of the movie too. Mm-hmm. I but remember talk- seeing yeah. an interview with Wang Jing. I think I it's got to be from City Hunter and um he's talking about how he really enjoys uh video games and oh what did he call them tv games yeah they say that a lot in the in the movie and subtitles tv and cartoons and i think that him thinking oh i'm gonna get to adapt street fighter and that's what we have here this film was gonna be a street fighter film then uh somewhere along the line they lost the license and i don't know if it's maybe because they read the script or what (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, but so they had to discard that yeah, this yeah. is like as close to Street Fighter as like the Bob Hoskins Mario movie is to or oh, that's Super a, Mario. Yeah. What I was going to say is, have you guys ever seen Masters of the Universe? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is very much to He-Man as Masters of the Universe. Right. As Masters of the Universe is to He-Man, this is to Street Fighter. At least Masters of the Universe, like you can you can make a really good poster out of it that oh, seems yeah. like it's kind of on point. Whereas the poster that's for true. Future Cops, you're like, wait a second. 
who's this guy? He's sort yeah. of like Vega, except he has this purple suit and only He's sort of like Vega, claw. except he doesn't and look anything like And why is he the me. hero? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's the hero. Yeah, I think that's similar to Masters of the Universe. I guess comparing it to the Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, Street Fighter film, sure. Raul Julia and Frank Langella, like... They took those villainous characters that's and true. made them their own, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's true. a good they, comparison. They, I, I like They it. did way better job than the movies deserved. Yeah, for, totally. For those respective roles. Yeah. But you know what's, what's weird? And it's like, and it could just be that it's like, I just, it's, it's almost like in my bones at this point. There's something I just so love about like this era of Hong Kong cinema. I guess maybe like all Hong Kong cinema and. Hong Kong culture, where it's just, I don't know, I just have so much fun with how wild and stupid and silly mm. all the interpretations of the characters were. It was like, and again, it, it had some of my favorite features of Hong Kong cinema, which is like, I can't believe that this is somehow working. I can't believe they've been able to to like slap this together in the production. Because um, <laughs> it doesn't feel as though there's like a giant budget and all kinds of really seasoned special effects houses or whatever. But there's mm. actually some really brilliant special effects. I would say mostly with like very savvy editing mm-hmm. uh, and some cool force perspective and like, yeah, just all kinds of, it's like, yeah, they use the whole special effect utility belt in this movie. And I don't know, there's something about it. It's like, I admire the, just the kind of madcap craziness of it. And there's some kind of, yeah, there, I don't know. There's some kind of weird, charm to it i don't know if it would have felt that way at the time in 1993 <laughs> but it boy does it it, it captures the period of the early 90s in a really cool mm-hmm. way and yeah i'm, that's I'm, I'm super grateful it. for for this movie <laughs> that's great i'm glad you had a good time yeah. i do feel like it kind of falls short for me in the editing i guess the movie to me could be cut down quite a bit Oh yeah. Oh sure. <laughs> um, this movie so, could be a cool seventy-five if yeah. he was given the right editor. If it was trimmed down a little bit, I I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Right now, I would say if you're looking for just this oddball movie that has kind of this interesting backstory to it, that honestly, outside of just the basics, I don't know, and I wish I knew the mm-hmm. history behind the making of this film. Um, I would highly recommend it because. Yeah, I don't know. It's just astounding how uh, <laughs> how how they take the Street Fighter property and just I don't know. They turn it into like the Terminator. <laughs> they turn it into Back to the Future a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and apparently it's a lot of the characters are kind of amalgams of Street Fighter characters, and then I think there's like a manga. I, I'm a little out of my element here, but like Doriamon or something like that. Um, oh. hmm. And apparently a lot of the characters are kind of like a, a mix of some of those, which is like why some of the outfits, I mean, like oh. you take the sort of like Guile character. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, the hair, the shape of the hair is sort of like Guile. And sometimes he wears a military outfit, but the rest of it is so different and definitely with, with Vegas. So yeah, it's, you know, I think it's almost like that era in Hollywood of like the late nineties, early two thousands, like the parody movie. Mm. Um, yes, definitely getting vibes of those. Like, yeah, totally. And it's like, they would kind of sometimes have to like sort of conflate characters together to have some kind of thing, like a story. Um, so since you mentioned that manga influence, 
in Doraemon, the thing that I think of is in the school, he's got that bully kind of kid. And, yeah. And he's got this really wacky pompadour looking yeah. hairstyle. And he actually, yeah, you're right. Actually, he, he looks like one of the characters from Doraemon. I don't know if he fits that role. Like this kind of yeah, actually he kind of does because in <laughs> Doraemon Nobita, the main character, he's just like a young school kid, and he has some friends, but also he has like some kind of rivalish kind of bully friends, and there is a kid that has a similar hairstyle that is always trying to one up Nobita. Oh, I think man. that's I don't yeah, know where to- you grab that from, but I that's think totally that's what they're talking about. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was, I was taking into some um I can't remember where where it was now, but people were like describing that character yeah. related to that series yeah I, um it's also i think helpful uh knowing like the more literal title which i think was like super school tyrant i think if the poster was like the secondary school that most of the movie takes place in and you were kind of prepared for it to be almost like a teen like school based rom-com i think yeah. that's I think that probably that probably helps. Whereas, like most of us are coming to this movie because of the Street Fighter connection, we're probably mm-hmm. going to leave pretty disappointed <laughs> because that's yeah. that's not really what they're. It's like they're almost like not preoccupied with the Street Fighterness of it at all. And uh, as far as the the fighting combat side, like this is this movie is very light on action. Yeah, it is light um, on action. I would say that the few instances you get like Street Fighter like attacks, one they're just really crazy, and we'll talk about that. But two, <laughs> they they actually there's a moment in the movie where two characters are just constantly throwing fireballs back at each other, and I almost think that represents Street Fighter better than the Jean Claude Van Damme film. Because <laughs> when you're playing Street Fighter against your friends, you, you know you're just hitting buttons and you're throwing fireballs and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, there is some cool choreography. It's uh, it's uh, Ching Su Tung, who we last saw in the Chinese Odyssey movies, mm. and a similar period and mm-hmm. a similar kind of style with, with you know a lot of twirling, a lot of undercranking and wire work. It's yeah, it's maybe just a little a little bit too speedy and kind of yeah, I mean silly, I guess. It um, is silly, yeah, yeah, because there are complete like interactions between characters that it seems like the whole thing is undercranked like the whole time, and they're just yeah. spinning like there's like I don't know twenty spins in a in a row, and yeah, and long string like kind of flyaway shots where you can just see them swinging around, and it kind of <laughs> takes you away from the energy of the action. I mean, it's still there, but you can kind of see them swaying back and forth because of the rig. <laughs> yeah yeah totally but But, um we have some uh interesting casting in this film too and i wanted to talk a little bit about that so um andy lau ends up playing the basically the main character role he's one of the future cops it's funny he's He's like he's like the first bill but it's yeah it's it's hard to say really who the protagonist is i think Um, in a lot of ways it's dicky chung who's He's like the John Connor that they're searching for. It yeah. really is has more to do with Terminator, probably. Right, right, right. But Andy um, Lau, I guess yeah. he represents the the Vega character, the Claw character, and um, all the future cops and all of the future. What do they call them? rebels or, or scoundrels? The future or rascals. Or rascals. They call them. Oh, oh great! That's great. They're all different takeoffs on Street Fighter characters, uh-huh. and um, yeah. So you've got Andy Lau, you've got Aaron Kwok. He plays the character that is Ryu, and yeah. you've got uh, Ikken Cheng. He plays 
Kent, I think they call him in the... Yeah, Kent. Yeah. Kent. Come on. <laughs> um, and uh, Jackie awesome, Chung, who... We've seen Jackie Chung in, I believe it's Once Upon a Time in China. He plays the Bucktooth character. So the thing about that is that Aaron Kwok, Jackie Chung, Andy Lau, and another uh, prominent star from that time, they all were, like, super, super popular. And, yeah, um, I think they were called, they, like, the, wasn't it, like, the Four Heavenly Kings? Yeah, they had a, a actual title calling them the Four Heavenly Kings in Hong Kong at the time. So I think that that's really, like, what they were putting on the posters to get people to check this movie out. Because all the ladies loved him. And Jackie Chung gets a song in the film. <laughs> and, you know, they it's, it's really funny because he's playing, like, the guile type of character. And they actually represent his hairstyle like as this kind of flat top this exaggerated they end up just calling him like he's just called broom man in (laughs) the movie that's great oh it's so great yeah but i think that having those three characters those three actors in the film um was kind of like a big selling point for them and i think the movie did pretty well um the other thing that's pretty funny is that one of the other antagonists in the movie his character name is Leon Lai, and that's actually the fourth uh, of the Heavenly Kings. So he isn't in the movie, yeah, but there's yeah. a character named after him in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, really I think that's weird like a nice little on. nod. Because yeah, I think Andy Lau became kind of like an honorary, like fourth member of, of that later. Because I think he kind of came up, um, kind of came to prominence a little bit after the rest of those guys. But uh, yeah, a lot of new faces for the podcast. Some, um, I guess, some returning actors. Uh, we've got uh, Billy Chow as the kind of Sagat character. I think they just call him mm-hmm. the Thai King. Yeah, Thai King. Uh, and actually, Ken Lo, who we remember from mm-hmm. Super Cop and some of- oh, and a ton. He, he was yeah. He's been he's been in a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he's basically the M Bison. Um, the general. Yeah, the general. And there's an interesting choice where he kind of only speaks telepathically. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Is that I. I see them take certain aspects of the characters, and to me, it seems like whoever made these choices kind of understood a little bit more about the characters than the normal person would. Because like I said in the last episode, um, M. Bison's character derives his power like psychically, and uh, that's a kind of a cool read into that character, and I was okay with it. And then also we have um, the the great uh, Richard (laughs) Richard Ng. Yeah, Richard Ng comes back. That and was he has the a casting role. Uh, that wow. that was the casting role that I didn't want you guys to know about. I wanted you to see it. Oh, in the I movie. was so good. I was shocked. I'll be honest, because whenever he came, I was shocking. like, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> yep." And and the way his character uh, <laughs> develops. So yeah, he oh, basically gosh. he ends up being kind of like Blanca. As yeah, he becomes hour. Blanca at and the they, end. I was <laughs> like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> oh, what man. what was awesome is they treat Blanca's um you know his like role move. Uh, back forward punch like as it's basically something that has to be like manipulated by other people like they have to throw them around like they just turn them into a soccer ball yeah (laughs) um i I don't know why i loved it uh i'm so happy just that that. and the crazy green paint he has he's in green face and it's (laughs) like yeah it's just green face yeah. I also I also love how it yeah it's just you're not expecting it and it's this kind of last minute last minute thing but mm-hmm. um yeah also uh 
all of the the leading ladies of this movie are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we've really encountered any of these actresses. So Ching Mei Yao, um, she's actually kind of like a Wong Jing staple. She's been in a lot of his films. Yeah. And she's in City Hunter, which we haven't covered uh, on the podcast, but uh, I'm sure we all know about it. And we, she's also in Kung Fu Cult Master, the movie that we... Um, oh, right. Yeah, so we did yeah, see covered. her in that. And yeah, and she was in a lot of like the kind of early Stephen Chow movies uh films he did with wong jing but yeah she's she's great at also um the actress that plays the mother that yeah. she's yeah, yeah kingdom yuan is particularly the awesome found. yeah kingdom yuan she also is kind of uh, a staple uh in that same that same kind of period um and then well we haven't mentioned uh simon yam who plays one of the yeah. other of the main uh, future cop characters and he is like the Dalsum character and Dalsum they get right I mean it's like yeah they really <laughs> do he's he can stretch and he can shoot fire <laughs> so um, you get to see a lot of absurd effect shots and yeah uh, the stretchy sort of like Mr. Fantastic stuff mm-hmm. is like I mean it's it's kind of unsettling but I think it's uh, <laughs> I think they're really successful from like the effects side of it like yeah and again, I think that the editing is, is yeah, really smart when it comes to most of the high concept effects shots. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mentioned City Hunter, and that's also a Wang Jing film. And I think a lot of people know that infamous scene in City Hunter where Jackie ends up fighting in an arcade and he gets tossed into one of the arcade machines, and uh, it turns into a Street Fighter scene. So City Hunter. And he becomes yeah Chun Li, and yeah, yeah, you've probably seen it on YouTube. Yep. Um, that came out in 93 as well. Yeah, same year. I think City Hunter hit the theaters before Future Cops. I'm not but sure. I yeah. think just just shortly before. So it's which which really surprises me cuz um we might have mentioned this before when talking about Wong Jing, but in his heyday, he was kind of famous for being very loosely involved with his productions. <laughs> Stephen Chow uh, told stories back in the day about how Wong Jing would either sleep on set um, or sometimes just not show up. And actually, that kind of afforded Steven some of his early opportunities at directing scenes himself. Uh, so it ended up all kind of working out. But I think one of the other things that I so liked about this movie is to me it seemed that for whatever reason, Wong Jing really cared about this film. It's and, so weird. And I feel like he's really he's really kind of firing on, on all cylinders. Now, you may not like his choices or his <laughs> aesthetic, but it's kind of like uh, like Bad Boys Two is kind of like Michael Bay like at his at his fullest like really invested really kind of doing his thing. I um, definitely think that Michael Bay is an apt comparison. And I think you this know? is a, this is similar. It's like he's this doesn't feel like the Wong Jing sloughing off, which is actually something you see in a handful of his movies. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's also not a subtle film. <laughs> um, yeah. Like we've been saying, it's pretty silly. You could also say it's pretty reckless. But uh, I was actually surprised at how much like logic there was to a lot of the story. And I'm sure that's only because like I know Wong Jing, so I was maybe expecting a certain kind of thing. You know, even that like the reveal of Blanca at the end, it sort of works because they talk about they have these um, these microchips they implant in someone's brain, and it basically makes him into like a street fighter character <laughs> um 
Where and they mention one of those. Yeah, they <laughs> mention that they have two more, and you see the mother come home, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, she'll be one. But um, this, yeah, they've kind of accounted for uh, Richard Wong's character, and there are even some cool kind of like social commentary kind of things. Like in the beginning, they're they're very conscious of, I guess, what it means to to go back into the '90s, and I feel like they they kind of describe the present day culture and i think a pretty self-aware way but i don't know maybe i'm yeah i might just be like <laughs> grasping at grasping at straws and it's probably just like you know comparing to the movie i i guess I expected it to be but, um... <laughs> I, I i'm i'm surprised that out of the three of us marty's the one defending this <laughs> movie and not me <laughs> well it could be too that it's like um i think i was i was ready for like a, a kookier like loose interpretation of street fighter because i thought the the anime was like i think did overall like a really marvelous job at kind of representing the game and the property and everything yeah so i think i was just kind of hungry for some like hong kong sort of zaniness Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely what you get yeah Um, yeah i think we're ready to jump into this and i I really yeah we're we're gonna jump around a lot i want to keep this tight (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. the 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 plot part of the movie is maybe thirty minutes, and yeah, then everything else a is a point. bunch of a whole bunch of goofiness. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, let, let's jump into the movie itself. But first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. The year is twenty forty three. In a world ravaged by disease, the evil Embite, the evil general, has been put on trial. His disciples, the infamous Future Rascals, have a plan to set him free. They make a break for the year 1993 and plan to intercept the young man who will become the deciding factor in the General's fate. However, there's a strike force of experts not far behind, the Future Cops. This group of familiar faces makes their way to the past to protect the judge and seal the General's fate. Wang Jing brings you an adventure based on the hit arcade game Street Fighter 2. Wang Jing brings you a wholly original adventure based on nothing. Starring Andy Lau as as T-Men, Jackie Chung as Gao as Broom Man. These guys are more than world warriors. They are the future cops. So this movie, it's funny. This movie has so many parts throughout the movie where it just kind of just just kind of piddles around and does a bunch of goofiness, <laughs> but not this first five minutes. No, no, no. Oh, no. This five, five minutes wastes no time. Like, yeah, I remember you messaging Matthew when you were watching it. It's like, wow, there's so much plot in like two minutes. Yeah. So it starts off in uh, the far off year of 2043, which isn't actually that far from where we are right now, but oh, don't scary. think about it too hard. Um, in a in a world like ravaged by AIDS, which is also super which, interesting because it's like that's the time when that's such a weird, that is what everyone was worried about. Um, that's such a weird detail in yeah. the movie is that <laughs> AIDS became such a huge issue that people weren't allowed to have sex anymore. So every single baby was test tube baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yes. it's it's kind of like it's kind of visionary like world building and stuff, and and it's. It's sort of a natural reaction of like that time period. Um, not that AIDS still isn't a serious disease, but it was. I mean, there was so much almost kind of fear mongering yeah. at that time. And it's just so, but it's just weird that it's in this movie, you know? 
Because, like, yeah, that yeah. that could be an interesting idea for like a Twilight Zone episode or something. But <laughs> this is the but, movie yeah, where, where a, a, a fake Broomhead. Ryu and a fake Ken spin kick at each other. Uh, yeah, anyway. that's man. Yeah. So it's, we see uh, we see Tai King, which is definitely not Sagat, uh, running away from. I guess the cops on these weird little flying scooter things. Those look really cool. I, think. Um, <laughs> I like was the execution some, of that. Like a New Hope intro vibes from. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. The, the Jeep followed by these like vehicles mm. shooting. At oh, it. man. Like, yeah. But you also definitely get like a Terminator kind of the Judgment Day, like, yeah. future, like, kind of this post-apocalyptic scenario looks kind of cool and it also kind of reminded me uh if you played Metal Gear Solid 3 yeah you remember that one scene where the there's like the weird flying scooter things chasing after him in the Mm -hmm. 60s it reminded me of that (laughs) yeah it does yeah so Tai King Sagat's on the run and uh what you find out is he's trying to make it to meet up with his um other guys who are allied with the villain of the film who they call the general and what what's going on is that the general's been imprisoned and in a week he's going to stand trial and they show him like kind of in this like holographic orb it looks like this energy jail cell but to me yeah. he actually looked like magneto from the x-men <laughs> oh yeah, sure so he uh Ty king meets up with his She's allies tie fighter yeah <laughs> right um who are um the characters i mentioned earlier ekin chang as ken well they in our subtitles they refer to him as kent which are subtitles that we, <laughs> we were dealing with aren't terrible but they're also just one step away from being good that there's some really choice subtitle yeah i think i mean they're in like the mystery science theater like bad it's good yes yeah yeah so um you've got ken and then you've got the e honda character which (laughs) can you guess what kind of name would you pick Uh, a parody of e honda whatever they said the name okay so his name is toyota which is perfect It's a perfect That's like bad Mad Magazine name. level of parody name. It is. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> that so was that was the only up. one that that and Kent were the only ones that made me like actually groan when I saw the name. Yeah. Like Tai King, Tai uh... King could be the name of a thing. You know, Lung T Men. All those are just names. But then <laughs> Toyota. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, they meet up and they have a plan, and what this plan is is they're going to travel back in time to 1993 and they're going to find the man who would become the general's judge and uh it seems like they're going to persuade him it doesn't seem like they're going to kill him yeah I, it actually isn't clear but yeah it's um, kind of like the wrong troop is going back in time yeah it's like cuz you would this... think that the rascals would want to go and get rid of the judge so they could free their boss or whatever it's it's so funny. Yeah, so then you've got the future cops who I guess are the in this timeline are the present day cops and um Yeah, I know. And they call them the future cops when they're already in the 2043. It's like are you still the future cops? Yeah. Um so like I said Andy Lau leads them and Jackie Chung is there and Simon Yam. So it's uh and Aaron Kwok. So you've got yeah. Vega, Ryu, Guile and Dalsim. And so they have a really cool fight scene here. Um, 
like I said before, everything's undercranked and yeah, they're in this that big, very, wide, like, style. Yeah. yeah, this very wide open uh, uh, space that they're fighting in. So they're flying like across like 30 feet, it looks like when they're attacking each other. And you get uh, Ken and Ryu doing their hurricane kicks and they're just spinning like tops at each other <laughs> and they clash. It looks it looks so crazy, but I like it a lot. And um, the other thing I should say is that Aaron Kwok and Ekin Chang would uh, be together again in Storm Riders. That's a movie that I've mentioned before. Sonny yeah. Chu was in it as well. And that was a really cool movie from the late 90s. And it's cool to see them here as kind of like the rivals like they are in Storm Riders. Well, I think they're cast really well too. And they're good They're good leading men for this. Yeah. Um, but if you're expecting anything like the anime where Ryu and Ken are kind of the main characters, uh, it's probably good to adjust your expectations mm-hmm. and jackie is the um guile character and he does his flash kick and it's just like him like flipping over and over and over <laughs> yeah non-stop <laughs> but um just like kind of in like the... a fidget spinner or something yeah <laughs> totally uh just like in the street fighter uh anime that we watched uh dalsim and e honda have a fight so oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah dalsim and e honda are like attacking each other and toyota is using his hundred hand slap <laughs> and uh he does this like <laughs> sumo headbutt too so um andy lao as the vega character is paired up against billy chow's sagat character and that's kind of crazy too because Andy Lau has the Vega claws, like these Wolverine type claws, but he spins them around like a drill and he attacks <laughs> Billy yeah. Chow, which is like, how then, does that happen? And then that never comes up in the rest of the movie. He never oh, uses that. Oh, no, that's that. the finishing move at the. Uh, oh, you're the right. End. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> he uses it once more in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I like is that the, the time machine that they're getting into, just it just box. looks like a shed. It, just a yeah, shed. it looks like a. A backyard tool shed. Well, what's really, what's really cool is um, their general or whatever, or their boss, the future cop boss, is basically telling them about their mission. And there's this other little wrinkle. For whatever reason, the chips that they have in them, they will electrically shock them if they lie when they're. Um, oh, yeah. this is yeah. In, the the, in the past, characters. And I mean that's the kind of thing you're like, oh okay, this is so we can have some kind of contrivance like comedy thing later. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, but what's cool is right after this scene, um, it cuts to a plane flying and like a little title card that says 1993. So it's like, wait, they just got on a, a future yeah. plane. It's like, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit of a misdirect, but anyways, it's just, it's, silly. yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Um, that's like in, uh, in Transformers, the old Transformers cartoon. Yeah. It's like when they crash to earth and then it's like. Five million years later. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> they didn't do anything for five million yeah. years until the eighties. Yep. So yeah, then we get to cut to the the modern day of nineteen ninety-three and we get introduced to our uh our protagonist, which is uh I, I at first I thought that his name was just the same as the judge, the UT Hung, because I thought it was just that that the subtitles just got it wrong, but no, he's actually is a different name. Uh, it's yeah, Tai Hung. They call him not Tai Hung. Hung. Yeah, so. that's kind of the twist of the movie is yeah. that um, all the future characters are looking for the young judge, and he's supposed to be at the school, but nobody knows really who he is. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it's this character they've been following. 
although why they're why they picked this kid to follow well it's because they land in his on his roof he's yeah but it seemed like it's like why okay yeah it works (laughs) because he's a down his luck schlub that needs a little bit of help yeah (laughs) this is like in so many properties where they mishandle things they always have to have this um avatar of a young boy you know like so like people like me and you can identify with him yeah. like right. i think yeah the dark stalkers cartoons like that um you know captain n <laughs> um, <laughs> the dungeons and dragons cartoons kind of mm-hmm. like that it's just like oh yeah, yeah. average kind of kids that movie get... uh, forbidden forbidden kingdom oh or... right of course yeah yeah, yeah this, this happens a lot i mean i think it i think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, you could say it's kind of chicken and the egg, but I think there's, I mean, there's tons of good story reasons why you would want a little bit more of a blank slate or kind of a relatable character to experience the like fantastical world through. It's a little trickier here because you're introduced like into the fantasy right away. And like you were saying, Matthew, there's like, you've got so much story in that opening and it kind of signals the pace of the movie that it, it that it really doesn't yeah it's not even interested in maintaining it's kind of yeah it's kind of yeah it kind of slams on the um, break after but honestly, honestly i think if the poster for the movie had uh chan tai hung in the center like in his school uniform and his two potential like crushes or whatever on either side of him and then the future cops and the future rascals like behind them or whatever I think that I would capture like what this the t- what the tone of this movie mm-hmm. is. It's it, it almost kind of reminded me of the recent uh, Lord and Miller movies, the Twenty One Jump Street and Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, oh, I haven't seen them. Um, they're really yeah, they're really good. But it's like yeah, we're really we're really kind of living in this sort of high school for most of the movie, and the stakes that we're meant to care about uh, have more to do with the the relationships like of these like high schoolers than the future cops. So I'm guessing like all that is like probably what was, what was really frustrating. I'm guessing um, <laughs> for your guys's like, yeah, I think movie. so because like it just turns into a totally different movie. And yeah. I mean, I, I'd be fine with slapstick and you know, these kind of like, I mean, I love goofy, dumb stuff and yeah. Like, yeah. Some of this is like just super dumb. Yeah. <laughs> It's like for literally like for like a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was thinking like maybe Wong Jing thinking, oh, I have the chance to adapt this. Oh, kids like video games. So I'm going to make this like aiming at like really young kids that might enjoy this. So I understand that. But he's even said he said things like along those lines that um, his goal is to make a movie that the audience wants, not necessarily what he like wishes they wanted, Mm. which I mean, personally, I don't think that's a very it's a very good recipe for success i mean i think any artist whatever your medium like you really should be leaning on the instincts that you have at hand because once you start trying to play that guessing game of what you might think an audience would like right it's i mean you're just really yeah you're removed from i think that kind of juicy material and yeah i i hear you it's like but i also like i think the movie was really successful in its market and I think that, yeah, that audience was going into like a little bit of a different show. Like you're saying, it's like, oh, these four Hong Kong like pop stars are reading this, this movie. Um, and yeah, the title too, it's like Super School Tyrant. Um, yeah. It's, it, I think there's, there's just a whole lot that gets lost in translation. And it's kind of like exacerbated by the fact that we do recognize 
yeah. the underlying property that they're riffing on. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, it is, I think it's frustrating because it's like, oh, we would finally have almost kind of an upper hand. It's like, oh, context that I would understand, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, I got you. I not got you. Really. I got you. I got you. So, um, yeah, this character we've introduced, uh, we've been introduced to uh, Tai Hong. He's this down and out kid at school and he's getting bullied and he's got a like a stroke of bad luck. And really, this is where all the slapstick comes in. Mm -hmm. He gets pulled, you know, like people are throwing balloons on him and people are like he's he sees a pretty girl and she ends up tricking him into getting naked. And uh, it's like one of these kind of high school, like kind of summer movies, like yeah. almost, you know, like, a, yeah, yeah, like. You know, you know, he ends up coming home and you get introduced to Ching Mei Yao's character who uh, that's she's Chun Li in the film. Yeah. And they sure and, say Chun Li, which I yeah. I almost appreciate that they don't even bother to, to change that. Yeah, you kind of need. I think she is so awesome in this movie. Oh, yeah, but, she's super um, funny and, and and very charismatic. And yeah. 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 And like just and yeah, it just has a, yeah, a lot of charisma. Mm. And her whole kind of thing is that she's just stringing along a whole bunch of guys. Right. Uh, that, and I don't know, she, she, she plays it really funny. And it's really cool whenever you can tell that someone has a really good comedic timing, even if they're speaking a different language than, than mm -hmm. you. Yeah, absolutely. And I just like this family unit mm -hmm. of, you know, her and Chen Tai Hung and then their mother, um, yeah, it's it's very broad comedy and and slapsticky, but it's like I don't know. I just like the chemistry of, of these three. Oh, so yeah, my favorite this... my favorite joke in this whole little line of slapstick for the future crop show up is that they're trying to get the sink fixed, and there's this repairman over. And the whole joke the whole joke is that every time the repairman turns around, the water starts spraying everywhere, and then when he turns back, then it's it's working. <laughs> Which like that's okay of joke enough. But it, the the repairman saying, like, I've seen this I've seen movies before. You're trying to seduce me. Well, how do you know I love my wife very much? <laughs> yeah, that's great. She's just like, yeah, pushing him uh, right to the edge. And they're just hosing her with like ten like different hoses yeah like off camera it looks really funny taihong goes up to the roof of his uh oh, roof of his house scene. and he's like drinking a bunch of beer i guess trying yeah. to get drunk to you know drink his trouble he's like away. trying to talk to to god or something yeah, it's yeah. like you know it's like oh my life is so horrible mm -hmm. there's a really cool thing and i think the subtitle makes it great it, he's like i can be gigolo or plastic flower maker or i can join the singing contest um, <laughs> it's like anything but high school student yeah. um yeah cause that's, the, cool that's the joke yeah. is that he's like 28 and still hasn't graduated high school yeah, yeah. Uh, but he'll eventually be some yeah some great uh legal mind mm -hmm. i guess but he throws oh, one of the away. he throws yeah spoilers <laughs> He throws one of the beer cans into the sky, and then it comes back down. And it's like gigantic. <laughs> which I like that. I, yeah, that was. I guess that's somehow related to the time machine. I don't know. I guess I. I, I kind of read it like God was throwing a can back at him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. That makes as much sense <laughs> as anything else in the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, like giant God-sized can of uh, beer. <laughs> but so the future cops show up, and something I thought was interesting is whenever they introduce themselves, I was able to, thanks to a lot of Google Translate, 
Um, I was able to figure out what they actually say their name is, the name of their little group. I thought I heard them say Fei Long something. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, Fei Long's oh, Dragon, because that's the character in Street Fighter. And, yeah, what they're saying is uh, Fei Long Dak Jing, which is Dragon Special Police, is is the little translation of it. Oh, nice. So they're the, they're the Dragon Special Police. Nice. So, yeah, so that earlier we were saying, oh, why are they calling themselves the future cops uh, in the future? Well, I guess they were. <laughs> there you go. They, he thinks that they're, like, robbers or something, so he's, like, trying to beat them up and keeps, you know, keeps having silly things happening to him. That's kind of the, the story of the movie. Yeah, and we have a lot of, like, weird practical effects and stuff mm. here, especially with the, the doll's character. Yeah, like, where his legs are super stretched up, and then he runs between his legs, and they're all, like, weird stretched out. I really like I really like those kind of because again all of that kind of special effects would all be CG in ten years so it's really cool seeing like actual weird models and and stuff like that in this movie yeah totally totally, totally. so um, following this you got a funny bit between uh, Tai Hong's mother and <laughs> she introduces her boyfriend who they call him Uncle Richard and you yeah. see that it's Richard Ng yeah, that's great. <laughs> The, the thing I love about this bit uh, is that like he cool. says thank you to her in English, and it drives her crazy. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, oh, please, <laughs> please like... keep talking in English. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. it's, like, such a funny, like, uh, oh, comedic bit because he's saying these really stupid. Mm-hmm. At first, he's singing, like, he's saying only you, like the song yeah, only yeah. you. Uh, only you can seem the world so bright. Only you can make the darkness bright. But Which we f- re- now, yeah, now realize it must have been just a giant. It must have been a huge hit in Hong, hit in Hong Kong. Kong that's, it was that big oh, moment in, yeah, in, Chinese, in Chinese Odyssey, Odyssey too, where where they sing that. But I love how it his. <laughs> It ends up being like subway directions. Yeah, he goes from that to London Bridge is falling down, then twinkle, twinkle, little star, and then it says, Please stay behind the yellow line. Next station, walk the ice (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. See, I think that's part of what I love about this movie is it's like, I think there's really inventive and clever, and I would even say like maybe smart stuff. And then there's just really stupid kind of mm. juvenile stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it, for me, it all it all worked. Yeah, the more I think about it, I, I don't know which friend I would feel good about recommending <laughs> this movie yeah, to. Yeah, it's hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the thing I liked about uh, Richard doing this in the scene is that what, what I know is I know that he lived in London for a time and I think he studied in England and his wife is English so that's kind of a funny little takeaway seeing him speaking English oh, in the scene cool. let's see it's, it's, oh. it's pretty much just nothing but goofy bits from here yeah well why don't we just let's just be kind of random just pick maybe some favorite yeah. um, favorite scenes we've kind of given away a little bit of the ending yeah. um, the future cops will fight the future rascals and yeah. that's probably the most street fighter-y part mm-hmm. of the movie yeah, yeah. But before that point comes up, they have to like blend in. So like some of them yeah, disguise the themselves stuff. as students, some disguise themselves as a teacher. Uh, there's like a full three minute long musical number where it's yeah. it's the brew man and one of the love interests like dancing and singing. And Marty, you actually found the song that they were singing, right? Yeah, it was like I think it was a hit song in the <laughs> Philippines because it was in. Uh, uh, the original language was Tagalog, and um, I think this is the same backing track, but just 
sung in Cantonese, but it's uh, it's called Sana Kahit Minsang. Ariel Rivera was the original artist with it, but yeah, it comes back in the end credits too. Um, yeah, I really like the tune of this. There's some weird stuff where he uh, yeah. heads walking around with these mallets, um, <laughs> and then he's like, "Yeah, new people." I mean, there's a lot of the a lot of the slapstick is like you know really cartoony makeup, and so it's like if somebody gets injured, you know, they have like a giant group. It's the, sort of things that we've seen in um, some of our other Hong Kong comedies. Um, there's a good ghost just... reference in the musical number. Oh, there's, oh, yeah, there's a super good ghost. Which and what's hilarious. awesome is that um, uh, his, the sister, oh, yeah. the Chun-Li character, she has a ghost poster <laughs> in her room, which is yeah, really cool. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but to me, this uh, song and dance like thing was just giving the audience what they came for with Jackie Chung being such a big pop star. And by the, whenever the song's over, then literally everyone in the audience, except for the love interest, are asleep. Which <laughs> That's that, awesome. That made me laugh. That's yeah, the, at first, what it is is like, it seems like, you don't know, you kind of seem like he's fantasizing about this, but at the end of the scene, you see that it was the student that was fantasizing about him. And I kind of like yeah, that nice um, playing on your expectation, because when you're seeing that, you're like, oh, wait, this is kind of creepy because the teacher is, like, fantasizing about his young student. But then you see him react to her, like, kind of in love with him at the end, and he, like, freaks out. He's like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> and that character is played by uh, Winnie Lau Siwai. She's she's awesome. She was the same... This is the girl that earlier kind of tricked our hero into being, like, naked in the biology room or whatever. Yeah, um, and I, there's a funny thing where he... And she goes he, by... Her nickname is Crab Angel. Yeah, yeah that's... I, I wrote down that Crab gotta, Angel... It's gotta I'll mean bet that, something. I'll bet Crab Angel sounds a lot nicer in Cantonese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's my pet name for my wife. Is <laughs> Just in time for Valentine's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, time of recording. Valentine's really the last well. couple days. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, that's awesome. There was a really cool line when Broom Man and Vega, so like, yeah, when Jackie Chung and Andy Lau come to the principal's office, basically. And um, Andy Lau's pretending to be like a 17-year-old student. And so he's kind of like hiding his face. And then Jackie Chung is basically leaning into his age and pretending to be a teacher. And the principal has this great line where he says, I dislike your hair, but I can accept it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, that that's, the, that's the best attitude. That sounds yeah. like a Principal Skinner line or something. Yeah. Well, there's another really stupid, crazy, weird joke where they're asking him basically to prove his scientific prowess by making some kind of demo for them. So he's got his hands busy under the desk um, and he's already started. And then they ask, uh, they specify it's like, oh yeah, can you build a bomb? And then it seems like that's what he was already doing. And then he takes out this giant like Roadrunner Wiley Coyote like <laughs> rocket bomb yeah. that he says is an atomic bomb that he just puts on the desk. But like that actually pays off yeah. in the end. Of I was the movie. not so expecting that. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. There there are these like threads, and there's there's a weird kind of logical connection, but the uh, like. The tone, I think, is just maybe unlike any other movie. Yeah, just like how those, yeah, how those moods kind of combine. Like, yeah, it's like it's we're crazy. saying, like the smart and the stupid 
I yeah. think they combine in a way that different than like similar Hollywood movies. I mean, maybe the, the parody kind of film, like the scary movie-ish kind of stuff in the early 2000s would be like a close analog, but it's, I think it's stupid. It's like, this is maybe dumber than that and maybe smarter mm-hmm. than that. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder, harder to be dumber than that, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and just some stuff seems so random. Like later on in the film, uh, the sister kind of catches Andy Lau's character and she kind of like is squeezing information out of him. But they end up going on a date and the date yeah. takes them to like this amusement area and there's an arcade. And Dude, uh, Andy Lau's this. character says, hey, I have this device that can put us into the arcade machine. And it's I... called the City Hunter device. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. And uh, they get warped into the machine and it turns into Mario Brothers out of nowhere. And, and there's not this only like that... sound alike <laughs> Super yeah. Mario World overworld. There's like this legally distinct yeah, Super Mario like World different. track. And it's got it's, the same like mandolin. It's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. crazy. But it's also thing, super cute seeing these guys as like Mario characters and then he grabs like a fire flower, which is. Again, you like you know enough to be dangerous, kind of a thing. It's like, mm-hmm. well, actually, the firepower would. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really the mushroom you would want, but yeah. So she she becomes like super large, and this is another spot where like the some clever editing and timing and like really old school effects. There's like a little clay dummy, I think, of the that character. Me up. Yeah, and um, super but that initial creepy. cut was like really, I think, effective of her mm-hmm. like growing. But... The super creepy turtle in the scene. <laughs> yeah. It's like a dude in a, like a green suit with like a propped shell, and he just looks terrifying. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but in some ways, like they're a little more accurate to adapting Super Mario Brothers than they are Street Fighter Two. Right, right. <laughs> especially in the AIDS uh, epidemic reference, because this is this is the scene where they bring yeah while up. they're wearing these yeah. fake mario outfits and they're saying like oh yeah well i don't know i'm a virgin i can't have had sex because we can't have sex in the future because of Ugh. aids like what what <laughs> what is happening <sighs> so then beyond this there's a scene with tai hung at a track meet and we get a bunch of goofy gags here so this is where we first get introduced to this future technology where they can like give you a chip or or like a disc or something yeah. and for five minutes you can have the abilities of any of the three main future cops so he uses each of those in this uh track meet so the first one he uses is uh the vega one to do like over uh the high jump and he just leaps into the air and actually this is another instance where it seems like oh they actually know the characters because when he takes that chip He's Andy Lau's Vega character, and there's Vega's braid. He gets Vega's braid, yeah. and he also gets. You hear like this Spanish guitar play. <laughs> yeah, and, totally. And it's like, whoa! Whoever is doing this actually knows. Like, you character. know, I kind of want. It, there must have been like a Carlos on set, like a, a Hong Kong. I hope so. Carlos, and like <laughs> he was probably he or she was fighting like so desperately to like 
bring Street Fighter accuracy into the movie. And I feel so know. bad for that guy. He must have been really stressed out. <laughs> but like you say, there are like traces of it, which is really yeah. interesting. There are there are a lot of instances where characters will straight up do like a win pose too. Not just the Street Fighter yeah, type characters, yeah. but other characters. And I feel like they're kind of channeling Street Fighter when they do things like that. Well, and maybe kind of just like an impression of Japanese culture or like... <laughs> I see like, that. Anime, man, like manga stuff. Um, yep. And they're just having a lot of fun with it. I love the announcers at this high school <laughs> track meet. And the one dude, uh, I, I think in the in the, the, uh, the sprint is when it, he first says it. It's like, oh yeah, if this guy wins, I'll eat this. I'll eat my microphone. And then, of course, yeah, he does win. And this is like... It reminded me of like an old like Laurel and Hardy routine or something. Yeah. Um, there's like a scene uh, where it just like Stan Lee has to eat his hat. But yeah, he's actually like chomping on this microphone. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. That could be a difficult moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And then he turns into uh, Dalsim and then he does like the, uh, you know, when they toss that that weighted ball like for distance. Shot and, put. Yeah. Shot put. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that totally escalates and he keeps he ends up winning his trophy and he's kind of like getting the girl because of it so that's kind of cute so the next scene is another arcade scene and you've got that uh uh Kaon, the the kind of the bully kid the who, pompadour yeah yeah the doraemon kid which i under i totally understand that um he's playing street fighter so you actually get to yeah, see you, some you hear like son- you hear a sonic boom mm-hmm and now we get the introduction of the Future Rascals, was it? Future Rascals <laughs> is what the subtitles say. Yep, so Kent, okay. Toyota, and Ty King have arrived in 1993. That definitely sounds like an old school like rap posse. That does. <laughs> Future Rascals, that totally sounds like, like a kid and play era kind of thing. Oh, 100%. <laughs> they looked the part, too. I could totally see that. <laughs> oh, dude. Dude, that would have been an incredible collab. Like, yeah. the Future Rascals with the Four Heavenly Kings. Yeah. <laughs> so they're making plans now, and they uh, track down Kaon and tell him, hey, you're going to work for us. And he's like, oh, okay. And so they show up to school now. And um, what it is is Toyota and Tai King are, like, on school as bullies. And then they're defeated by Kent, who is the new teacher in town. And there's this really funny bit where he's doing the hurricane kick down the street and all the students' skirts are getting blown up. <laughs> I thought that was so stupid and hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're really yeah, leaning so he, into the being the bullies thing to make the other guys look good. Yeah. So now they're kind of the opposing force in the school, and they're everyone's looking for you, uh, you Tihong. Yeah, and um, I really love the look of the the Kent character, especially once he's yeah he's dressed up pretending to be a teacher, and he has this little like streak of blonde hair. I kind of like how they interpret the hair for like the American Street right. Fighter character. Kyle and it's Kent. just like yeah. a little nod. Yeah. Yep. It's just a little flash of blonde to represent that i i like it too yeah yeah it's a lot and better it's than if it's just it's... a straight up wig or something that looks super unnatural yeah mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and it's cool as soon as he walks into the classroom he's somehow able to detect or maybe he just recognized andy Lau. um i couldn't i couldn't quite tell but uh he knows anyways right away that this is a future cop and um so he has this kind of clever trick where he's like throwing a notebook right at him but underneath the notebook are these three syringes 
Um, <laughs> these ones are blue, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the blue ones. Rejuvenate the needle. Yeah, the rejuvenate needle. Ken's um, uh, signature special attack. We all know that, right? Yeah, when he throws so poison he catch, darts Yeah, at he people. catches the notebook, but the, the needles go into his underarm. And so then Kent takes him out into the hallway and basically tells him, it's like, okay, you're going to start, uh, like, in five minutes, your IQ is going to, like, drop 50. And, you know, in a half an hour, you're going to basically be, like, like a little kid's brain. And, yeah, they, they translate that into rejuvenate. I think they're trying to do something with juvenile, but it's, like, the opposite of what they mean to say. Yep. And the next big encounter we get is him taking the young student that's kind of she's been like put under his spell like she she there's there's this running thing where she thinks every guy's attractive and um yeah. she's with uh Kent and they're at the 812 which is not the 711 the 812 <laughs> gosh that made me laugh that's so bad that's so, good. <laughs> so broom man uh, Guile is he shows up too and they have an uh, a fight in this uh, well and this is the girl that uh that he likes that they like they share right. the song together so crab like, angel yes. <laughs> um and yeah this fight's pretty cool i like it a lot it, it this is what i was talking about earlier where they're shooting fireballs at each other they're shooting like hundreds of fireballs at each. i also like in the subtitles i think what is it swaying fist yeah. is the hadouken yeah yeah and that was cool crescent crescent knife crescent knife is, is, sonic the, is the, the sonic, sonic boom, boom. <laughs> that's awesome and um in terms of like production value it's kind of i mean my jaw dropped and they started like throwing cars yeah um, and they just destroy this whole building like yeah. this set is built to be destroyed and they utilize it very well they're jumping through the rooftop there's lightning striking i like there's a shot where kent slams down on top of a car and i was totally getting michael jackson vibes from that oh, <laughs> totally. standing on the roof of the car and uh yeah they toss cars at each other and uh kind of like the street fighter 2 bonus stage right <laughs> yeah yeah man <laughs> a little more it's funny extreme. i guess it's like that's more central to like the street fighter uh war than i yeah than i realized because yeah both movies get in there. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a really cool shot of kent standing in front of the building as it explodes so you just get to see his silhouette really prominently as the fire erupts from the building uh, one other touch that I really liked is uh, earlier uh, when Andy Lau and uh, Ching Mi Yao Suk Ching went on their date. He thought it would be a good idea to take her to this like amusement park, and she's kind of weirded out by it. And she even says it's like, "Oh no, this is kind of something for like a little kid." And that that little idea pays off because Andy Lau has now rejuvenated. <laughs> no, what should we call dejuvenate? Or yeah. He's de-aged, and so he, like, he is a basically a little kid brain now, and he's drawn back to that amusement park, and he's like riding on the um, carousel, which I thought that was a cool touch. But somehow, I guess Guile or Brewman had gotten through to Kent enough, because he had been asking for the antidote, and Kent shows up at the amusement park slash arcade, and it looks like he's going to attack, but he does this kind of sneaky thing where he's actually like, launching the antidote syringes back into Andy Lau's back. And he's like, yeah, this is like, I hear you. I see what you say, but I owe you a favor. But from now on, if we ever cross paths, you know, I'm going to have to fight you. Yeah. It's kind of this cool anti-hero moment for him. Yeah. It's awesome. Very cool. And whenever, whenever I think of the character of Kent from street fighter, I think of that. <laughs> I think of Jeez. antidotes. And, yeah. <sighs> that kind of thing. 
I had an idea, and I don't want to promise this, but <laughs> I was thinking of doing the artwork for this episode and taking one of these iconic group shots from Street Fighter, but oh just replacing gosh. all those characters <laughs> with these characters. Please, <laughs> please do that. That would I be so cool. I don't want to promise that, but I think that, that would be, be really fun. Maybe somewhere down the line I'll do mm-hmm. it. But yeah, I think that would be really really cool <laughs> so um yeah uh our andy lao is back and what we also get is the general like ends up breaking out of his prison there's a funny shot and i don't understand it but they show him <laughs> sitting in his prison cell and he's drawing like a kid drawing yeah. of, like a fox yeah. in a jail yeah, cell that made me laugh so hard it's really funny. I don't get it. See, that's the thing. <laughs> stuff like that, like that's the stuff that made me laugh the most. Like that's almost yeah. like airplane kind of humor. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like stuff where it's yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> like if you if you blink, you miss it. Things like Bro. that. Yeah, and the giant can and the the mom getting blasted by the pipes of water. Like, oh, what about just the spicy this, the spicy soup? The spicy that? bit that was almost more disturbing the, than funny to me. It was funny <laughs> though. <laughs> like both of the bro- the brother and sister think that the food that's cooking is for the opposite person, so they're intentionally throwing a lot of spice into it. The but it ends up great being there too because I think the sister says, "I will give him hot taste," and then <laughs> yeah. I think the brother says, "I will give her hot flavor." Nice. <laughs> But it ends up being the mom that actually eats it, and she has this crazy prosthetic lips on showing how spicy the food was. Yeah, a lot of the most impressive special effects are also really kind of disturbing. (laughs) Like a lot of the Dalsim, like Stretch Armstrong stuff, Mm -hmm. um, or like the bruises, or yeah, those, or even. I mean, I thought it was cool, but it it probably is disturbing seeing Richard as like a green Blanco. <laughs> oh, I love well, it though. It's per- it. it was such yeah, a but... reward, such a gift <laughs> yeah. from Hong Kong cinema to see Richard Ng, this character actor that I love, play a Street Fighter character, and he gets to be Blanca. It's it's beautiful. Nice. Does that? <laughs> It, does that go some way of redeeming the American movie um, called yeah. Blanca Carlos Blanca? Yes, one hundred percent. It's a yin and yang cool. yeah, situation. Equilibrium. Yep. <laughs> and okay, so Richard plays a prominent part in the next pivotal scene. Oh, yeah, so right. it's uh, Tai Hung's birthday party, and everybody's there. And then uh, his mom shows up with Uncle Richard, and they announce that they're going to get married. So with that, they have to change the family name. So Richard explains how he has to change his name. And what ends up happening is he has to take you t hung that's his name so then he realized that tai hung realizes it and the future cops also realize it so it's like okay here we are this is like the destiny of this absurd movie <laughs> and again it's it's like a twist from uh what you'd expect in a much clever or like clever movie <laughs> yeah um, yeah and i'm trying to remember now if you actually ever hear richard's last name like earlier on in the movie. no they just say uncle richard the whole time oh Yep. So the other thing is that Kaon, the the kind of the bully kid, is now a spy for the future rascals, and he's at the party, so he reports that information to Kent, but he doesn't understand that the general has arrived, so the general is back in 1993 as well, which is really, really weird. <laughs> you know how time yeah. travel works? Like, literally everything would be instant, right? But for the sake of the film and, like, whatever, it's entertainment, so... um. 
now he's here. Yes. And um, so he wants to take out uh, Yu Ti-hung himself. So we're, we've got all the pieces in place and we're going to get to the finale of the film. So the general takes over the school and he's looking for Yu Ti-hung. And he's basically like making everyone like these kind of mischievous zombie kind of people. Like he throws a micro- microchip on them and they're all causing trouble. The impetus, I guess, for the final confrontation is that the general kidnaps uh, the crab angel girl. And then all uh, the yeah. future cops and everybody show up like, all right, we got to fight this dude. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the final, final piece we get is that um, the future cops say, hey, we need more allies to fight the uh, final boss of the movie. So they have these special chips that they give to Chun-Li and to uh yu ti hung now uh you don't really see what he turns into until later but she turns into chun li and it's kind of this exaggerated um outfit for chun li but it translates in the movie mm-hmm. and then they say oh we, like you said earlier they've we've got two more and we need two more people to help yeah. so they don't say who it is but it's kind of like this dramatic reveal in the final fight mm-hmm. One is cool because there's the element too that I guess it's not just the chip. The chip has to be combined with some kind of inner courage. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool touch. And so, like, yeah, our protagonist didn't seem to transform when the chip went in, and then he kind of he goes to his clothesline. That's kind of what I do when I'm like a, um, <laughs> you know, in kind of a low spot, and <sighs> he looks at oh, he looks at like the Cosby sweater that. Um, <laughs> oh this right that That horrible sweater that's actually a really funny moment too when the girl's like i made you this sweater and he grabs it he's like i love it he seems genuinely happy about it which is i feel like that captures that kind of like young puppy love sort of thing where it's like he's just like i think he's happy just because it's from her Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. like she cares about him um that was really funny yeah he realizes that there's a lot at stake and that he actually wants to protect the people that he cares about Mm -hmm. and it's nice because you get the sense that his courage is not going to combine with the chip but then they they cut away before revealing like who he transforms into (laughs) um the other thing that's cool is like like you said the chunli outfit it's similar it's like real weight it's like in the same neighborhood as like what chunli wears in the game um, but she does do like her wind pose, like pretty, yeah, pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they go to attack the school. We get more like musical parodies. So the thing I really like that I didn't expect to see is like the intro music from Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior. Yeah. And... Yeah. It's like this, uh, again, a legally distinct yeah. version of that <laughs> for when uh, Chun-Li's fighting Sagat. Mm-hmm. And th- then you get the reveal that Chun-Li's mother, she's also she's, Chun-Li. Yeah, she's just another Chun-Li. <laughs> yeah. And she's wearing a much more authentic Yeah, way more uh, close to outfit. like she wears in the it game. Looks th- yeah. Just yeah, red. Pretty yeah, much in the like, same. In kind of like a red, yeah, red, and then her daughter's in black. And Yeah, this is kind of like a cool payoff because like we said... Um, the mother, uh, played by uh, Kingdom, Yuan Kingdom, um, she's awesome. And so, like, it's only fair that she gets to mm-hmm. kind of get be in on the fun for the ending here. But and it's similar... funny, e- even though she is there, I still did not expect Richard to show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, but I, I would say 
also similar to the the finale of the Street Fighter 2 anime, uh, the two Chun Li's tag team against one opponent, just like Ryu and Ken mm. versus M Bison, and they do some really cool tag team combos against Tai King to defeat him. And not only are they using parody music, but they're actually using straight up sound effects from Street Fighter 2. So you hear the, like the cool. hall and the the hit effects. All uh, sound just like Street Fighter 2. That's really cool. And then this part, this is where we get the reveal that Yu Ti Hung turns literally into Goku, like from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, actually, it's it's Dragon Ball Goku because the musical cue. The musical cue they use is a parody of the intro of the original Dragon Ball. Maka Fushigi Adventure. It's the same as that song. Okay, cool. But yeah, so that's all over the place. But he turns into Goku, which is just, it's funny because if you show this, like in 1993, if somehow a person in America got this movie, then they would see all the Street Fighter stuff and be like, oh, that's cool. And then this guy is Goku would come in and they might not know who that is. Because, like, we didn't yeah, get any yeah, Dragon Ball stuff in the West until a little bit later. Yeah, it wasn't for a year or two that you would actually see anything related to Dragon Ball in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was I mean, some earlier, yeah. like, dub stuff, but it was very, it was, like, hardly distributed at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might have been enough to pick up with them, like, a generally, like, Japanese, like, anime character. But, yeah, I think it would have been a little mm-hmm. strange. And also, if, if there was more of, like, a uh, influence from... No, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Doriamon? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the Hong Kong audience is probably already seeing the movie as a little bit of, like, a stew of different, like, cultural riffs. Right. Yeah, but, you're right. But, There's yeah, a lot for, of... for us, I think we're probably just seeing it as, like, a strictly, like, Street Fighter movie that is, for some unexplicable reason, like, kind of off the mark. <laughs> so, yeah, I could see that being kind of weird. It probably helped. I, I bet we were all prepared, though, because we're... I'm guessing like looking at like the cast list for the movie and they do kind of indicate that he plays Goku. So it's like, okay, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple moments in this uh, movie where there's like, like literally like four or five people fighting against a general at once. And uh, those are pretty undercranked, but the the camera work is actually a lot of fun, and it actually yeah. looks really cool when they show that. Um, the first time is like with the Dalsim and Vega and Guile versus the General, and they're it's like they're flying across uh, a corridor as they're fighting, and each one of them is kind of doing their own like signature uh, style. So you see. You, Dalsim doing these kind of head bobs and stuff and that looks really cool and then towards the end after uh, Goku shows up and does what he does like the group is all together Chun-Li included and they're all fighting yeah. him and they knock him into this wall and it seems like he's defeated but it looks like he's kind of like T-1000 like liquid metal <laughs> oh, melting sure. or something <laughs> which is really crazy so uh, but he he attacks them back and then they do another tag team attack, which is, like, really insane. It's almost like, a, I don't know, to me it's like this very dramatic, like, Super Robot Wars kind of attack where um, <laughs> Vega, like, does this drill claw right through yeah. him, and then there's the really cool camera shot from the opening in the general's body panning away yeah. with Vega in the background. Mm-hmm. That looks really cool. It does. And then, uh, yeah, like, 
like you said earlier, we have a nuclear bomb in play, <laughs> and <Right. laughs> they jam it right through the the wound, the open cavity of the general, oh, and he straight up explodes. That literally made me laugh out loud whenever I saw it's, that explosion. It's hilarious, it's so and it's another good. It's another good edit because it's like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like yelped out loud because <laughs> um, I was expecting him to like fly off in maybe like a Looney Tunesy kind of way or something like on the rocket of the yeah. bomb but yeah you just see like the basically like the pieces of his flesh like <laughs> scatter all it's kind of <sighs> weird but it's somehow yeah it's somehow like a funny oh, yeah. <laughs> explosion it's, it is so possible. abrupt is what gets me <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. like it would build up like a little more but it just it just blows up I think if there's like a if there's a super cut of this movie, it would just be instant gold. Yeah. You know, we've seen like I said, we you've probably seen clips of this online because of how ridiculous it looks, but there's so much more than just the parody Street Fighter stuff. Like I don't know, like yeah, there needs to be like a great super cut of this movie just with all these like really great moments. And even after this, like the kind of the very end of the film with them kind of waiting to be transported back into the future and them saying all their goodbyes. Um, Richard Ng is still in his Blanca <laughs> outfit. He's got the green paint. He's got this kind of padding around his belly. And he, he doesn't really sell it that well when he's just standing there normally. But it's so okay. funny to me. I can't get over how funny it is. So um, everybody's having their sad goodbyes and they don't really want to leave. But what ends up happening is Aaron Kwok, as the Ryu character, uh, he shows up and he kind of gives them this cliffhanger ending like, hey, we have to do one more thing. And uh, everybody's actually really happy. And it ends actually like the Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter film where everybody's doing a win pose. And then it freeze frames and that's when the credits start. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, It's it's... I mean, uh, there's stiff competition for like you know the freeze frame, but this is this is awesome. <laughs> this is up there. Um, it's definitely yeah, definitely something where it was like yeah, it's just kind of fun picking out every every character there, and we also get to hear um, that cool song. Super nineties, yeah, I love this stuff. Is yeah, this movie was it was something, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something. Um, yeah, not not for everyone. I would say like. If you love like kooky Hong Kong comedy, or you love like really like any of like uh, Wong Jing's like kind of like '90s comedies, and you're prepared for it not to be very much about Street Fighter, I think you might enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're coming to this as a fan of Street Fighter and you're maybe a little less like interested or experienced with Hong Kong cinema, uh, yeah, probably I would maybe start by like searching for some clips. <laughs> Yeah, this movie is completely bonkers, and um, I'm glad I watched it. But I'm honest; I'm not a hundred percent if I would recommend it. But yeah, there's I yeah, it's that. A diff- there's yeah, it's a diff- there's yeah. enough in it that's fun and interesting. But I feel like it's it's like a lot of it just kind of doesn't quite hit the mark. But some of the stuff that does hit the mark is really pretty amazing. So um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine this is like a movie that we'll end up referencing a lot for some reason <laughs> i agree um, yeah if if but, there's anyone yeah. I, know, I mean i have a lot of friends that i bet would get a kick out of at least some of the scenes in this movie 
I, I totally would recommend it, but I also, I'd have to know them first that they, they like <laughs> dumb stuff as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. If you've got a group of friends, I imagine this would be really fun. Like with a group of yeah. people yeah. that are down for the same kind of like silliness. So I wanted to also mention that there is a movie. It's a Wong Jing movie from 2010 called future X cops. Oh, I and saw it that. Also, and I was wondering, yeah, it's, it stars Andy Lau. I don't think it's related at all. And honestly, if you look at it, Matthew, Marty, I feel like you guys would think that this is like what Future Cops is to Street Fighter. I would say Future X Cops is to Endiran. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look it up. Because like uh, Andy Lau's character is like this kind of, it looks like he's a cyborg or he's wearing I'm about like to a... click check out on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> it, or a suit of armor or something, but it has these absurd effect shots. It looks, wow. it looks crazy. But uh, a, a lot of the same DNA that made this movie made that. So I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know how, if it does tie, but uh, it's pretty interesting that that exists as well. Wow, that's... Yeah, that's crazy. And we mentioned City Hunter, and, you know, I think if you're a fan of Street Fighter, and if you're a fan of this podcast, I would say watch City Hunter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's and that's also, like, you know, Wong Jing collaborating yep. with Jackie, and he's really aiming for a different audience or something. Mm-hmm. And it's also based on a Japanese property, just like Street Fighter yeah. was. So it almost seems like... Wang Jing went over to Japan and like, hey guys, yeah. I want to do some stuff, you know, and made some <laughs> deals, and not all the deals panned out, and uh, we ended up with this movie. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But it's funny, too, to think of um, just, like, the evolution of Hong Kong cinema and production value, because, you know, the early Wang Jing scripts that we encountered were, I think, Magnificent Butcher and Dreadnought. And there are some moments of kind of hijinks or unexpected zaniness or slapstick, but it's in a very contained, you know, cinematic language or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost kind of like unfathomable just how much that needle moved in like 10 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's Future Cops. Um. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is that there's also a movie that's kind of similar to this. But it's taking it. There's a Hong Kong film that was gonna be a Tekken movie, but it actually was the same situation where they didn't end up getting the license for it. I guess it's called The Avenging Fist, and that has uh, Sammo Hong and Yoon Byu in it. So huh. that could be an interesting double feature with Future Cops. You imagine like Raymond Chung, the producer, just scratching their head, like, "Why don't they approve our adaptation?" <laughs> yeah, we're trying so hard. That's from a little later. I think that's like mid 2000s i think sure that makes sense well thank you so much for what uh watching you don't watch this you listen to this i'm watching the recording that's true watch right the now. waveforms thank you so much for listening to our show if you like it then please leave us a review or your podcatcher of choice so itunes stitcher whatever you're listening to this on be sure to check us out on facebook instagram and twitter we are at heroes the number three podcasts on all three of those thank you so much to the kung fu cinema subreddit if you're checking us out from there so, Marty, please take us into some uh, more of our wheelhouse for kung fu movies uh, for our training for next week. Cool, totally. And we're going to go further into the future <laughs> than 1993. And luckily, this arc of films will be a little more easily available 
to our audience too, which is uh, super exciting. We're going to be focusing on the Ipman films, and I am super excited for this. Uh, we've talked about Donian, I I think just kind of in passing on the podcast, and he's really a figure that just had been exciting in the Hong Kong film industry for a long time, but hadn't really had his break as the kind of the giant, massive, leading man star. And it came a little later than he was expecting, um, but these films were just perfect match for Donnie's sensibility and his skill set. Um, so yeah, we're going to be starting with uh, Ip Man, which came out in 2008. And it's a quasi-historical film. On yeah. the character of the same name, who actually would end up having an influence on Bruce Lee and many others. Yeah, and it's on Netflix, so you can watch it on Yay. Netflix, which is really really cool. So, until yeah. next week, where we're taking a look at Itmon. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos, and we are the Heroes Three. Remember your training. <laughs>